0: If you have your Bibles, Uh, open your Bibles up uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and um, I'm going to pick up where I left off last uh, Wednesday night, and um, it's just been a a good Bible study. I uh, have enjoyed teaching it. I've also enjoyed digging out. Things and studying and just believing, I want the gifts of the Spirit to be active and operating in my life, Amen. and I want them in your life as well. Uh, I believe the Lord can can use us and can help us, Amen. and uh, and I am I will get to a part tonight in the lesson where the, if you're having some hesitation uh, about stepping out uh, again, y'all have heard me say this. I'm gonna say it to you again: Get off the couch. Okay, we got to get off the couch, and um, and sometimes it stretches you. You will uh, get out of breath. Uh, you will uh, think, "Why in the world am I doing this?" And uh, so we um, <clears throat> just believe that the Lord wants to stretch us and help us. And uh, so I want you to look in your Bibles to First Corinthians chapter twelve. And uh, let's look, let's start in verse, um, why don't we just start in verse 1, and uh, we'll read down through it. doesn't hurt to go back and and, uh, cover some territory we've been over before. But verse 1, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away unto these dumb idols, Even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. And now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord and there are diversities of operations but it is the same god which worketh all in all but the manifestation of the spirit is given to every man to profit with all or to bring edification or to bring help for one to one is given by the spirit the word of wisdom to another the word of knowledge by the same spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another divers kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, but all these worketh that one and self same Spirit, dividing to every man, every man severally as he will. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll try to continue. Uh, you ought to underline. I say ought to. I have these verses underlined uh, in my Bible, verse 31. But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show unto you a more excellent way. Chapter 14, verse 1. Follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye that ye may prophesy. That rather Uh, could also be emphasized as especially. And uh, that's not just anointed preaching. Uh, That is also operating in the prophetic gift. And then in verse 12, even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying or encouraging of the church. And then I want you to look uh, in verse 39 the Bible says there wherefore brethren covet to prophesy and forbid not to speak with tongues and so we have an opportunity to, to really uh, to pursue uh, the gifts uh, there was a man that used to come to our church years ago, he's passed on now and um, he uh, had known me since I was a kid And uh, periodically, he worked here in Dothan. He lived down in in Fayette. And uh, he, would on his way home, would drive by uh, our house, and he would stop in. And uh, his his dad was a pastor and had been a preacher for a number of years. And uh, there were times where he would come by, and uh, he'd sit out there in the garage, and uh, he would always just stay on me. You need to pursue the gifts. You need to... Uh, you need to go after the gifts. The gifts are for us, and the gifts so on and so forth. And I'll be honest with you, there were times where uh, that given the condition of his life, I kind of let it go in one ear and out the other uh, because it was, uh, it was um, he lived an interesting life, and, uh, and yet there was something to what he was trying to say that, that we ought to pursue and we ought to go after spiritual gifts in a way uh, that the Lord would be able to touch. Brother Pierce, you want us to pray for you? Let's pray for Brother Pierce. Why don't you stand with me? just again, I'm oh no no need to apologize Brother Pierce you're going to look for opportunities for the Lord to, to work through us and uh, I, I just believe that the Lord's with us and uh, so we ought to again just Amen. believe in the gifts of healing believe that the Lord can can touch and, and do that, Amen and uh so this, this man would <clears throat> would tell me I needed to pursue the gifts and uh, I suppose that sometimes perhaps the motives for pursuing the gifts uh, is in itself people are after them for various reasons and uh, some of it is so they can get uh, if we want to call it stage time or platform time or whatever you want to call it uh, but we just know that the gifts of the Spirit ought to be able to be operating in our church, and and that that the Lord can help them. And so again, I want you to pursue the gifts of the Spirit, and yet at the same time, test your motives, uh, and and just make sure that you're not doing it so that there's going to be a, a sense of a showcase, because that's not what that's not what the Lord. Keep in mind what Paul said at the end of First Corinthians one. Uh, he talked about the fact about how that no flesh uh, is should glory. And, and that's, what we're, that's what we need, the gifts of the Spirit, in operation. But let's look. I'm going to uh, pick up. Uh, we mentioned last week the word of wisdom. And uh, we were going through the part in Acts chapter 8 where that Philip, in the midst of a revival there in Samaria, uh, that he got directions from an angel and that angel told him to go and specifically go to a specific place in the middle of the desert, and it was there that he met uh, that, um, that man, uh, Ethiopian eunuch, and, and the Lord used that, and that Ethiopian eunuch was converted. And so now let's look at another part. Acts chapter 10 uh, is another example that I believe could, could work well uh, in this. Turn to Acts chapter 10, and I want to start in verse 9. I'm going to read this out of the the amplified version, so it may be a little different. Uh, Well, it certainly will be different from what if you've got a King James. But it's another example um, of the (coughs) the word of wisdom at work with the household of Cornelius, who was a Roman centurion and uh, he was a man that God was going to use. He was going to uniquely open up. Some say that uh, Cornelius was the first Gentile convert. I believe the first Gentile convert actually was probably the, those who were found in Acts 8, the Samaritans that were there. They were not uh, truly Jewish, but, but a lot of people look and say that Acts 10, where Cornelius was kind of the uh, part of that, but the Lord is working on both ends of that situation. And the Bible says in verse 9, The next day, as they were still on their way and were approaching the town, Peter, and who is that? These men that Cornelius uh, is sending down uh, to Joppa to bring Peter to his house. Peter went up on the roof of the house to pray about the sixth hour, but he became very hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, a trance came over him, and he saw the sky opened, and something like a great sheet lowered by the four corners, descending to the earth. It came. It contained all kinds of animals and wild beasts, and creeping things of the earth and birds of the air. There came a voice to him saying, "Rise up, Peter, kill and eat." But Peter said, "No, by no means, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is common." And unhallowed or or ceremonially unclean And the voice came to him again a second time What God has cleansed and pronounced clean Do not you defile and profane By regarding and calling common And uncalling common And unhallowed or unclean This occurred three times And then immediately the sheet was taken up into heaven Now, Peter here is kind of struggling uh, with his Jewish roots. He knows the law. Uh, He knows that whenever he sees these animals, that he's not supposed to eat those animals. But here's what the Lord is doing. The Lord is using that as an object lesson. He's helping him to be able to see that there's a transition that's taking place and that now the Lord is going to reach in to what Jews had commonly looked at uh, is unclean, out of place, vile, heathen, uh, whatever you want to call it, and uh, and it literally it 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 had a strength. The law had a stranglehold that had gotten a hold of of Peter, and uh, and yet again Peter uh, changed everything whenever he understood that the Spirit was working in the life of Cornelius. Look down to verse 27. Uh, of Acts chapter 10. The Bible says there, and as Peter spoke with him, he entered the house and found a large group of persons assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves are aware how it is not lawful or permissible for a Jew to keep company with, or to visit, or even to come near, or to speak first to anyone of another nationality, but God has shown and taught me by words that I should not call any human being or any human being common or unhallowed or ceremonially unclean. Therefore, when I was sent for, I came without hesitation or objection or misgivings. So now I ask for what reason you sent me. Now here's what's taking place. The Lord is working on Cornelius. Cornelius was a good man. <clears throat> the Bible tells us in, in verse 2 he was a devout man he feared God with all his house he gave much alms to the people and he prayed to God always and the Lord appeared to him in a vision and so the Lord is working on Cornelius's end and then the Lord is also working on the other end of Peter. Peter's in Joppa and then yet you've got This centurion that the Lord is working with There in uh, Caesarea And and he's saying I've got to get these two people together And so I'm going to begin to work Now I'm just going to tell you this A few years ago We had a a man to come to our church And uh, he was a Hispanic fellow His name was Roberto And uh, he come to church uh, On a Sunday morning and uh, when he got to church, of course, you know, we welcomed guests and so on and so forth. And that was uh, back when I used to stand back at the back door. And uh, on his way out, uh, he he started, his English was not the greatest in the world, but he started telling me, I, I know you, I, I've seen you before. And I'm, I'm I don't, am i I tell you, I said, no, I don't, I don't. Well, first place I thought was maybe I saw him, at, he had seen me at the hospital. And, um. And so, anyway, I, I said, you know, I'm, I don't know that I've seen you. I don't know that I'm, you know, know you. so He said, oh, no, I, I know you. I know you. I know you. And so, anyway, so I kind of, you know, passed, okay, you know, and uh, he goes on out. Well, his wife got my number, and she called me. They lived over in Blakely, and she wanted to know if I would come over and see them. And so, I went over and uh, saw them, and uh, whenever I got over there, then it all started unfolding. And she told me that Roberto had been looking for a Pentecostal church and that the Lord told him that if he would, he would get on uh, Highway 52 and if he would dr- drive to the... I know this sounds outrageous, Uh, Well it don't sound outrageous It sounds spiritual if you believe this kind of stuff And I believe this kind of stuff And the Lord told him He said if you'll drive all the way to the end of the road Highway 53 Or 52 east And you'll drive to the end You get to the circle and you turn to the left Or turn to the Yes turn to the left And come all the way around to the farm center And there's a church that's right there And that's where you need to go well in this dream, the Lord also showed him, it was me, which is pretty sad. I wish he showed him Brother Patterson. but anyway, uh, but, but anyways, he, he, he comes to church, and the Lord showed him. and we ended up we ended up baptizing, uh, rebaptizing him, uh, baptized his wife, baptized all of his kids. And uh, that's whenever we kind of got connected. There was a little small church we were kind of filling in uh, far over in Blakely. But I, I'm just going to tell you, it was at those moments where you start realizing that the Spirit of the Lord is working on opposite ends. Now, now here's where I want I want to put pressure on you, and I want to put pressure on me. It is incumbent for us, church that whenever we're out and about that, and I know everybody's got pressure, everybody's got challenging situations, all God's children got trouble. And yet sometimes we let our troubles and the cares of life so overwhelm us that we get so inwardly focused. And the Lord is like he's wanting you to get your head up and look around Because there are people that are out there that the Lord is intersecting with them at night while they're sleeping. Uh, Sometimes, I believe people see visions. Uh, I believe that stuff. And what the Lord needs for us to do is to be in a place so that when we intersect with those people, it's not about football, it's not about fishing, it's not about shopping, but there's a connection that you have with that person. And I just say to all you healthcare folks, don't be afraid to pray for people in the hospital. Don't, don't be afraid to lay your hands on people and to pray for those people there in the hospital. And so whenever Peter came to that uh, revelation, which very much was a word of wisdom that was at work, And God still uses those spiritual gifts in our day to help us to get connected up. And so again, word of wisdom uh, that was taking place. And so whenever Peter came to that uh, revelation, a tremendous addition to the church there with uh, Cornelius and his household. In fact, why don't you look uh, down to what happened. Look at verse 44 In Acts chapter 10, the Bible says there, while Peter yet spake these words, what words? Whenever he got to Cornelius' household and and he began to ask him, what are you talking about? Peter gives him an explanation. Now remember, this is somewhere around 8 to 10 years after the church, uh, after Acts 2 has taken place. And so here is Peter, he preached on the day of Pentecost, and now Cornelius and his household are inquiring, and so he explains to them, he basically, it's a sermon you can read uh, there that that he preaches, starts in verse 26 and goes on through, but look at verse 44, While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision, which believed they were astonished, the Jews were, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out, the gift of the Holy Ghost for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God and then answered Peter can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord and then prayed they him to tarry certain days that's how God works that, that's how the Lord works and intervenes and gets us to connect up with people. And so here it is that you've got a condensed sermon that that Peter is preaching there uh, in, in, in this place in this house where this centurion is at. So another reference that I want you to see how that the word of wisdom would be evident. Look to chapter 13. And let's look in verse 2 Here's what the Bible says And as they, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted The Holy Ghost said Separate me Barnabas and Saul For the work whereunto I have called them And when they had fasted and prayed And laid their hands on them They sent them away And so what happens there You got a missionary journey uh, That gets kicked off Now here's what's taking place with the word of wisdom it's working in geographical locations. All right, Peter's told to go to Cornelius' house. Now, um, Barnabas and Saul are told to go in a direction so a word of w- wisdom is guiding them toward a geographical location. I would also say that it was calling them toward a specific calling uh, that was working there in uh, their lives I, I just believe that the Lord uh, puts people in ministry areas and here's the thing God uniquely qualifies whoever he calls okay now you, you've got you've got to know this that when God calls you you can't just be satisfied with the calling there's got to be a development that takes place, where that you pursue and you go after those things that the Lord has called you to do. He don't call you and then say, okay, you can just sit down and you're, you're called. What he wants to do is he wants us to develop uh, these particular things. Now, I would also say uh, as well that sometimes, uh, well, in this situation, we can see where sending them to places calling them to ministry, if you want to call it positions, calling them to that place, what does that look like? That looks like the sovereignty of God. God will get you where you're supposed to go. I mean, really, the Lord will. He will get you to the place where He wants you to be. He's going to move you along to the place where He wants you to be. However, there are times where, and there are multiple biblical examples where that, uh, that man, the will of man, can override the purpose of God. I'm, I'm going to just, I'll tell you this quote, or this verse reference, but we've got um, a, I've got a large section I'm going to work through here in a second, but the same uh, thing, this is a scary verse, Psalm 106:15 where it says that the Lord gave them the desires of their heart, but he sent leanness to their soul. Okay, so there are times where that the will of man can override the purpose of God. And you know, I know where what God wants me to do, where he wants me to settle in. And yet, if I override him because I'm stubborn and rebellious and cantankerous and, and won't do his will, then God's just going to just like Ephraim It's pretty scary in Hosea says leave Ephraim alone They mix themselves With idols And so the Lord's like I'm done I'm going to leave them alone I don't want us to fall in uh, To that trap So let's talk about the word of knowledge Now I mentioned last week uh, And it's the deal of the rainbow I know the rainbow has been abused Okay but just work with this analogy Okay it's good uh, used to I used to see rainbows over the, over the farm center it was just over in that area out that way okay There's eight colors in that rainbow but when you look at that rainbow they're blended together so that there's not really a, a distinction between those colors. That's the way the gifts of the spirit operate. So whenever you start looking at a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge, sometimes there's an overlap and it's almost like it's hard to distinguish what's a word of wisdom and what is a word of knowledge. But let's look at some of this matter uh, of the word of of, uh, knowledge. I I would say that uh, it seems to, again, moving people into geographical locations, putting them in positions, but let's look at the life of the Lord first of all. Let's turn uh, to Matthew chapter nine, and I want you to look in verse four. And um, I uh, this this is gonna kind of this kind of kind of move us toward uh, opening up. But, but this again uh, show you how specific. That the word of knowledge can work, that sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. And I've mentioned to you before when Brother Clark used to come through here, there would be people that would not come to church because they were afraid of him. And he never did anything I thought that was, but there would be people that when they knew he was coming, they would not, they would go on vacation that weekend, they'd hide out, they'd sneak away because Brother Clark could pick up on things and then he would start moving in that direction. Brother O.R. false, uh, very similar in that uh, ministry, uh, and we, we, we need that kind of ministry. It helps keep churches clean. It really does. Pe- people, I'll, I'll go, move on. Matthew 9 and 4. Uh, here's what the Bible says, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? So a word of knowledge, and this is not a clairvoyant kind of whatever, okay? This is the spirit that moves on people. And we'll get to places where that I'll show you examples even with the apostles. They could read people's thoughts. Which makes things scary, okay? Matthew chapter 12. Let's look at Matthew chapter 12 and let's look in verse 25. Here's uh, what the Bible says. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. But I'm keying in on that. Matthew 9, 4, Jesus knowing their thoughts. Matthew 12:25. And Jesus knew their thoughts. Okay, Luke chapter six and verse eight. Very similar in its presentation again. The Bible says it like this. Uh, but he knew their thoughts and said to the man which had the withered hand, Rise up and stand forth in the midst. And he arose and stood forth. Now whose thoughts were he read was he reading? Well, he, he gets into a synagogue. And verse 7 said, The scribes and the Pharisees watched him whether he would heal on the Sabbath day that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts. Right. And so when you come to church and the gift, the word of wisdom is in or word of knowledge is in operation, be careful that uh, somebody is not. Okay, I'll, let's move on. Let's look in Luke chapter 9, and let's look in verse 47. Um, here is what Luke writes he says it like this he said and Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart took a child and set him by him and so again these are people that are close to him disciples He's read the thoughts of the Pharisees and Sadducees, scribes and Pharisees. Now he comes along and he's reading the thoughts of his disciples. How do you know that? Look in verse 43. But while they wondered every one at all the things which Jesus did, he said unto his disciples. Verse 45, they didn't understand the saying. And then there rose a reasoning. Verse 46, there rose a reasoning among them which should be the greatest. Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart. So he's looking at the disciples. Turn over to John chapter 1. Now I know that probably you're thinking, but he's God. He is indeed. He is God. He's he's God robed in the flesh. Uh, but look in John chapter 1, look in verse 43. Here's what the Bible says. And the following and the day following, Jesus would go forth into Galilee. And findeth Philip, and saith unto him, Follow me. Now Philip was of Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip findeth Nathanael, and saith unto him, We found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Okay, now who's he talking to? We're talking to Philip. He's not talking to Jesus, but he's talking to Philip. And so Philip says unto him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile." And Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? And Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, and thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Is that why you're believing? You're going to see greater things than these. And he said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you hereafter, you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. But I want to key in on what uh, verse 48 has to say there. Nathanael says to him, how, how do you know me? And Jesus said, I knew you before Philip ever even spoke to you. And so you've got this working. And again, most people say, well, you know, Jesus is God, and, and uh, he, he's got omniscience going, he knows thoughts, he understands all of that, but that spirit of Christ that dwells in us. Uh, Let's see how that works. Turn to Acts chapter 5. And uh, this is a very uh, scary story in the Bible, but it's also a great story uh, that shows us about how churches grow. Verse 1, Acts chapter 5, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira his wife sold a possession. We'll find later on it's a piece of land. And kept back part of the price his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles feet. But Peter said Ananias why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land. While as it remained was it not your own and after it was sold was it not in thine own hand. Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Now now look at what's taking place here. Verse three, Peter's able to read them. And it's more than just an impression. It's more than just a guess. It's more. It's the spirit of the Lord that's impressing that on him. And look at verse 5. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, carried him out, and buried him. And it was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. And Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether ye sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. And then Peter said unto her, How is it that ye have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door, and they shall carry thee out. And then fell she down straightway at his feet, yielded up the ghost. The young men came in and found her dead and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And here's what the Bible says. And great fear came upon all the church and and upon as many as heard these things. But look at verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Look at verse 14. And believers were the more added to the church multitudes both of men and women. And so this story this took, that took place with Ananias and Sapphira didn't scare people off. Now, can you imagine what in the world would happen if something like that happened here? They'd get on Facebook. They got them a cult down there at 1745 Codary Road. That's what it is. It's a cult down there. People falling out dead, falling out in that, but... In that early day, you can see that these people had a fear of the Lord. And when that event happened, it added, the believers were more added to the Lord. Multitudes, both of men and women. And I will say this, that kind of activity keeps churches clean. It does. You say, well, I don't want to go to a church like that. Well... If you want to be a part of a spotless, virtuous bride, then I say we want to embrace. See, that's the part where people say, oh yeah, we're apostolic, but they don't want Acts 5, 1 through 11. They want miracle signs, wonders, healings. They want rabbits pulled out of hats. They want all that other stuff, but they don't want this. They don't want the beatings. They don't want the jailings. They don't want that part, but we want all the fun stuff. Well, it's all one big, huge ball of wax. You you take all of it. Because what is the Lord doing? He's building his church. It's not Brother Patterson's church. It's not my church. This is the Lord's church. And the Lord uniquely builds this church. And uh, so, again, a very striking and fearful example, not just of the gifts of the Spirit at work, but also apostolic authority uh, at work. It it was a reproving judgment from the Lord. Now, obviously, the the Lord doesn't work like that all the time. He, He does not. Now, Brother Patterson mentioned here several weeks ago when he was teaching... Uh, one of his lessons in, in March, and he talked about the revival that Verbal Bean went to up in Laurel, uh, Mississippi. Roy Lawrence was the pastor uh, of that church. Both those men now have both passed away. They were elders. And they've long since passed away. And he told the story about that janitor that come in there and, uh, and said, Brother Bean said to him, we, we're going to have revival over your dead body. And uh, it wasn't just his, but there was four others that died. And the story is told, if you're interested in reading it, it's called The Battlefield, and it's written by Stephen Carrier. And uh, you start looking, and it took place sometime, I think it was in the 60s, and uh, the church just had gotten just a, I mean, it had turned into just just a, a, for lack of a better description, just a spiritual mud hole. And Brother Lawrence come in there and started, Preaching and met some resistance and so he called Brother Bean Brother Bean was kind of a very prominent evangelist during that period of time and Brother Bean came up there and started preaching and the next thing you know but they had revival they packed that church out and the Spirit of the Lord worked and ministered in that whenever you start talking about revival and harvest Again, I've mentioned this before. Anytime we start having a revival, count on this. The crazies and the kooks are going to come out. Okay? But we're going to manage the crazies and the kooks. Okay? They're not the majority. I can deal with a few crazies and kooks if you'll let me have people like Robert and Robbie Kovac. They came in, Robbie and Stephen and... Emily was already here, but when Brother Clark came in 2005 and six, Johnny and Mary Loveless, we prayed through 35 people in the month of May, okay? And we hung on to 10 or 12 of them. I'm good with that, okay? You say, what, you're not mad that you didn't get all of them? Well, I look at the parables, and Jesus said that you know, one, most of us would never go into business if we only had a 25% chance of, of survival. That's the four souls. Think, think, you think about that, okay? Church growth. We want to pray these people through. And yet, for some of y'all, if you time warp back, you remember we had some coops that come through here during that time. And we had some real, real winners. And we're like, we want to pass them. Y'all put them over in the corner. That's not who we are. And we'll kind of manage them. and so on and so forth. But but again, anytime you have revival, you're going to have cranks and crazies and kooks are going to show up at Pentecostal churches. But I want revival and I want harvest. Why? It's because there are good people that are out there. And if we can get them in here and get them discipled and warmed up and moving in the right direction, then we can have an impact in Uh, their lives and so the supernatural knowledge of almighty God was revealed to Peter there is no way he could have known that outside of the spirit of God showing him in that way now here's a problem sometimes with with church folks is in situations like this they, they don't realize they're dealing with God they, they thought, oh, we're just dealing with Peter and, and, and his crowd. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, and I want you to look in verse 13. Here's what the scripture says. It says, Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, in God's sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And so uh, let's backtrack, let's turn back, let's look at Psalm 94, and again, we'll just, we'll just walk through these and we'll let Scripture, that's why it's important for, for us again to, to live clean, godly, reverent lives. Look in, verse, look in chapter 90, or Psalm 94, look in verse 7. Here's what the Bible says. It says, yet they say the Lord... He's not going to see, neither shall the God of Jacob regard it. Understand, ye brutish among the people, and ye fools, when will you be wise? He that planted the ear, shall he not hear? He that formed the eye, is he not going to see? He that chastises the heathen, shall not he correct? He that teacheth man knowledge, shall he not know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man, that they are vanity. And then, blessed is the man whom thou chastenest, O Lord, and teachest him out of thy law. Turn over a few pages and look in Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 15. Isaiah 29 and 15, here's what the prophet writes. Uh, he says it like this He says Woe unto them That seek deep To hide their counsel From the Lord And their works Are in the dark And they say Who sees us Or who knows us Surely your turning Of things upside down Shall be esteemed As the potter's clay For shall the work Say of him That made it He made me not Or shall the thing Framed of, Say of him That framed it He don't have Any understanding The Lord knows, and the Lord revealed that to Peter. Turn over to Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23, and let's look at verse 24. And I believe, again, that these are the ways that the gifts of the Spirit can can operate in uh, the church. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 23 and verse 24. Um uh, it's this, can can any man or can any hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him, saith the Lord? Do not I feel heaven and earth, saith the Lord. And so the Lord knows. And so sometimes church folks, well, we just dealing with the church folks. We just dealing with Brother Smith and Sister Jones and we pastor and the bishop and just the Sunday school teachers. The Lord sees it. He's aware of it. And I believe, again, it is crucial. Lord, help me to get my mind and spirit and, he, and hearing where that I, I, that I honor the Lord. And one of the alarming things about the attitude of the modern-day church, and there are multiple books that you can find on this. And I, In fact, I was at a preaching workshop here several weeks ago, and there were multiple books on this subject about the loss of the fear of the Lord uh, in, in, in this day. Look in Numbers uh, chapter 14 and look in verse 22. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 22. Here's what the Bible says. It says, Because all these men which have seen my glory and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and have tempted me now these ten times and have not hearkened to my voice. Why why didn't they they do that? Why didn't they listen to the Lord? It's because they lost their fear of the Lord. Turn to Psalm 78. Psalm 78 And again, this is just the kind of the psalmist that's recounting the history of Israel. Again, you say, why are you reading these scriptures? Because I'm wanting to emphasize what took place with a word of knowledge in Acts chapter 5. But look at chapter 78 and look in verse 18. Here's what it says. And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Now you see what the writer, the psalmist is doing there? Okay, what's Asaph doing? He's using a rhetorical statement. He's being sarcastic. He's saying, oh, yeah, it said God did this and God done that and that, the other. Uh, but, but look uh, again, verse 20 is the last. Now, move over to verse 40. And and Asaph goes on. And here's what he says. He said, how oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Look at verse 56. It says there, Yet they tempted and provoked the Most High God and kept not His testimonies. All right, turn over a few more pages and look at Psalm 95. Psalm 95, and let's look in verse 8. Here is what uh, the psalmist writes. Harden not your heart, As in the provocation and as in the day of the temptation in the wilderness when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. And then 1 Corinthians 10 9, if you're taking notes, talks about where they died in the wilderness because the serpents got out and started moving around. Now, I'm just going to throw this out here in case you are doing personal Bible study. If you say, well, Where in the world did you get all of those scriptures at? Well, what I do, and again, it's, our, our day is, is made, I guess, made us lazy, but it's helpful. And, and that is, is if you've got Bible software, and I use Logos uh, Bible software years ago. Sister Patterson, uh, it's been more than 25 years ago now. She said, go buy this and download it and use it. And so I started using it to start with. It was extremely complicated, and I didn't like it. And so, I, But I just kept working with it. And now, I'm just telling you, that thing is like a Rolls Royce. You just... Uh, now, I wish it would cough up sermons and spit them out, but it won't do that yet. Uh, now, that AI chat GPT is coughing up sermons. It's not going to be coughing up sermons for me. But anyway, here's what I'm just saying. When you're doing personal Bible study, if you will use the treasury of Scripture knowledge, it is the most awesome cross-reference tool that you can find for Bible study. And so what I do is I took Acts 5 and I started looking at those spots where then it was talking about Peter perceiving in their heart and it's got it out to the side. So what you do is you use that cross-reference tool and you're moving back and forth through the Scriptures so that you're getting a wide variety and a, a large angle of what the Scripture is having to say. So that, that's just kind of if you're working for... Um, if you're working for, or you're doing personal Bible study, okay? So you say, okay, well, Acts 5 is negative. That's a negative deal. That's true, if you want to call it like that. Let's look at a positive one. Look in Acts chapter 9. Turn over to Acts chapter 9. Does anybody off the top of their head remember what event happened in Acts chapter 9 without looking? That's right, Saul's conversion. Acts chapter 9, Saul's conversion. Okay, Again, I want you to get stuff in your mind. Acts 1, Ascension. Acts 2, Day of Pentecost. Acts 3, The Lame Man Healed. Acts 4, They Got Thrown in Prison. Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira. Acts 6, The Problem with the Widows. Acts 7, Stephen's Sermon. Acts 8, Samaritan Revival. Acts 9, Paul's Conversion. And again, please, I'm not doing that just to, I don't want to come across and I'm, oh, you're just showing off. That's not it, y'all. I want you to get the Bible. I want you to get it. I want you just to be able to just roll those chapters off and think through. And it's a matter of just spending time with Scripture. And you say, well, you're full-time, you're right but I haven't been full-time my whole life. I remember slogging it out at the hospital and staying up late at night and studying after the kids were going to bed and Teresa was going to bed and staying up late. I got to get this book in my life. It's more important than all the money in the entire world, okay? And I just want you, I want marked-up Bibles in this church. I want Bibles that are... Pages that are that are look like they're read. Bibles are not showcases for your bookshelf. My goodness. We must have prayed for a long time. It's already 8:30. Uh, how in the world. All right. So Acts 9 is a positive example. I'm just I'll just run through that real fast and I'll pick back up next week. But here's the upside, okay? you remember Saul's on his way to to kill him. he's going to Damascus to get a hold of the church I love what Luke writes he says he created havoc in the church he's going up there to get them the Lord strikes him down with a vision and then he finds Ananias now get this about Ananias Ananias is not a preacher he's not a pastor he's not a spiritual giant he's a disciple but he's a godly man and here it is the Lord tells him look exact location he gives him the address he gives him the guy's name and he tells him here's what I want you to do go down there and talk to him and tell him now this is another part we don't like Go tell, don't tell him he's going to write 13 New Testament books and if he wrote Hebrews 14. Don't tell him he's going to take four missionary journeys. Don't tell him he's going to start churches all over the world. Don't tell him there's going to be miracles, signs, and wonders that's going to come around. Don't tell him that. You go tell him he's going to suffer greatly for my name's sake. Y'all get that? He didn't tell him about all the successes. He said, go tell him he's going to suffer and then Ananias gets in that part and starts backtracking. But Lord, but Lord, is this really you? This guy is a killer. He's a, he's a murderer. If I go up there, there's a good chance he's going to throw me in prison or have me beheaded. Okay, now I've got a part in here too about if you start, if you start down this trail, that you feel like, okay, I want the Lord to use me with the gifts of the Spirit, then here's what's going to happen. The first time that the Lord impresses something on you, you're going to start, <laughs> Lord, I, that surely that's not you telling me that. Surely that's not, that, I, that's just my flesh. That, that's, just, that's just me, okay? But you're in good company. And I've got a boatload of scriptures for you, okay? I've got Ananias. Moses, Jeremiah, Jonah, multiple people in the Bible said the same thing in their time frame. So why in the world should we get to the 21st century and we're like... But, but but Lord I, I know this is not you I know Lord I had too much pizza before I went to bed last night I know I should not have been reading that Joel Rosenberg book before I went to bed I know that's Christian fiction I know Lord I should have should have not been doing all I know this can't be you talking to me okay I'm going to say two things to y'all okay stop it and get off the couch okay God wants to use you and if you keep trying to reason with your flesh and you keep trying to say oh the devil's got just listen stop it if you will give yourself to prayer if you will be filled with the spirit if you'll get in the word and get some confidence in your step you won't be second-guessing. And here's what will happen. The first time that the Lord uses you like that, then what that does is that increases confidence. But also know this. The first time the Lord does that, the devil's going to come after you. I call it the AI principle. We get to heaven... There will be no clocks, and I'm going to be on a corner somewhere. They may not be but two or three there, but I'm just telling you now, I'm going to be doing what I'm doing right now tonight in heaven, okay? Amen. I lost my train of thought. Um, let's stand. Oh, I call it the AI principle. You Say, what's the AI principle? The AI principle takes place in the book of Joshua. It takes place in Joshua 6, okay? You got this great victory at Jericho. And then following on that great victory of Jericho, they go to Ai, and bang, and fall over. Okay? You can just count on this. Or you can call it on Mount Carmel principle. Because here is, here's Elijah, calls down fire from heaven, and less than 24 hours later, He is so terrified he's going to lose his life. Just know this. If God uses you, there's an Ai that's waiting on you and there's a Jezebel that's waiting on you. But you don't need to let Ai choke you down and you certainly don't need to let that nasty rascal Jezebel choke you down. You you need to walk confidently and do the will of God. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you for your word. I I thank you, Lord, for this prayer time that we've had here tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the singing. I pray, God, that you would minister, Lord, in the hearts and lives of every person, God, that's come to this Bible study. I, I know, Lord, that we feel like sometimes we're wading out in water that's over our head. But I pray, God, tonight that you don't let us Lord, develop confidence in ourselves, but help us, God, to develop confidence in you. You're the one that supplies the power. Lord, so fill us with your spirit, Lord, that we're able to walk in confidence, God, and know, Lord, that there are people, God, like Cornelius, that they're out there. There's people, Lord, even like Saul of Tarsus, they're out there. Help us to find them. Help us, Lord, to be sensitive, so sensitive to your Spirit. God, that whenever we get in the presence of those people we're supposed to speak to, God, that you help us, Lord, to speak with boldness and assurance that we would see people converted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless you. Thank you for coming to Wednesday night, Bible study. Friday night, 7.30, prayer. Church will be open for prayer. Saturday night, bring somebody to church. Will you Sunday?